I want to talk to you this morning in, uh, about the key to victorious giving. The key to victorious giving. Now, let me tell you what this is going to be. This is going to be very practical. I'm going to talk to you like you're a new member in the church, and you need to understand what we're about, why we do what we do. Maybe nobody's ever answered any of these questions for you. Uh, I'm going to try to answer them for you today. Because while the Bible is silent, there's nowhere in the Bible that you're going to find the name of Sherwood Baptist Church or Meet the Need or the name Budget. While the Bible is silent on those specifics, it is not silent on giving. It is not silent about the need to give. The, the, our men and our finance team and our vision planning team have worked diligently and faithfully to make sure that we are equipped in the ebb and flow of life and economy and people moving and coming and everything else, that we have a sound financial plan. The Bible gives us the authority for which to ask that we be givers. God's Word works in all areas. If it, here's the question you have to ask yourself. If God's Word works in salvation... Why is it hard for us to trust God in stewardship? I mean, if he can get your hide to heaven, why can't he get your wallet on earth? If you're trusting him to get you to heaven, and you say, man, God says if I believe in Jesus and I call on his name, I'll be saved, and I'll go to heaven when I die, that's great. Let me talk to you about your money. Well, wait a minute, I don't know if I can trust God with my money. Listen, if you can trust God with your eternity, you can trust God with your paycheck and with your today. So I've seen this work. Now, you've got to realize, I don't like to talk about money. I don't like to raise money. I like to give, but I don't like to talk about it. But I sat down and thought through, in the 27 years I've been here, we have been either buying land, buying houses for parking, building buildings or remodeling or buying the library or the school or Legacy Park. We've been doing something in the realm of above and beyond offerings for 25 or 27 years. And we've never been short on any of it. God has always met us faithfully. He's let us take care of it quicker than we thought we could do. Here's what I know. God has not let us rest on our accomplishments. It's not about what I want to do. It's what God keeps pressing us to do as a lighthouse church in this community. God has not stopped. He keeps saying, trust me, try me, prove me. And he keeps responding that he will open up the windows of heaven. God wants, if you remember last week, his wealth in circulation. And there is a phenomenal giving spirit in the life of this church. If you're not in on that, then you're missing a blessing. So let's talk about, first of all, why do we have a budget? Our budget's a little over $4 million a year for operating, for ministries. Why do we have a budget? Because God is a God of decency and order. Uh, he, he planned creation. He wants us to plan and be smart and disciplined in the area of our giving and what we give to. So first of all, a church budget is a goal and not a God. A church budget is a goal and not a God. It's a tool, not a tyrant. 
It's just a goal. It's what we set out there to say, this is what we believe God wants us to do. And if we meet the budget, then we can do all the things that we pray through. Secondly, a budget is evidence of faith in the future. We believe if the Lord tarries, he's got something for us to do in 2017. So we plan a budget. And we put faith in the future that God's got something he wants this church to do. He doesn't want us to just sit around and wait for the second coming. He wants us to be active in ministry. We anticipate blessings and ministries and events that God can use. Here's what I know. If a budget doesn't stretch us, it's not a faith budget. It has to stretch us. Number three, a budget comes together when the staff and lay leaders seek the mind of Christ, not the opinions of men. You have to seek the mind of Christ. The finance team meets every week to pray over our finances. I dare you to find a church where the finance team meets every week to pray about the finances of the church. Most finance teams meet and talk about money. Those men meet and pray about what we're going to do and what we need to do. I would say that makes us a cut above because the men who are guiding the budget are men of prayer. Number four, the budget demands participation of the membership. Now, here are the statistics. 20% of people do 80% of the work. 20% of people do 80% of the ministry. Think what would happen if 80% did it. Or if 100% did it. If it wasn't just 20%, listen, let, 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 me just, let me just get in your grill for just one minute, okay? If you're not a giver, you have a welfare mentality toward God. You want God to do something for you when you won't do anything for God. There are people all over this country. What's the government going to give me? What's the government going to give me? What's the government going to give me? I'm not going to do anything. What's the government going to give me? Well, if you come to church and you sit in a seat and you enjoy the air conditioning and the heat and the parking lot and the ministries, then what you're doing is what God's going to give me. What's God going to give me? What's God going to give me? And you've never asked the question, what am I supposed to give God? You know, this is a two-way street. It's not a one-way street. So a budget demands participation of the membership. Why do we need everybody to participate? Because the object of giving is worship of God. The object of our giving is worship of God. David built a temple, 1 Chronicles 29, 14. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you and from your hand we have given you. The object of giving is worship. Number two, we don't give because we want to keep the lights on. We give to be the light of Jesus in this region. It's, it's not just about having the facilities open. It's about being the light of Jesus in this region. Listen, this morning, First Baptist Church, Albany, the pastor is going to begin his message talking about Sherwood and the Hope Center at the Coke plant. Now, I've been here 27 years. 
That's never happened. Here's what a pastor told me who pastored on the east side of town when I came. First month I was here, he came to meet me. And he said, Michael, you need to understand something about Sherwood Baptist Church. You need to understand this, and if you don't understand it, you will understand it. And I do understand it. He said, in this community, if things go well with Sherwood, they go well with the West rest of us. But if things don't go well with Sherwood, they don't go well for the rest of us. Folks, God has placed a burden, a responsibility, and a privilege on us to be a leader in our community because people watch to see what we do. Number three, giving is an act of joy. Now, Ken can get y'all to clap when you give. Everybody just goes pucker up when I give. And, you know, I start talking about it. Everybody's looking for the exit doors. But a legitimate need deserves a bold request and a joyful response. God loves a cheerful giver. You cannot outgive God, but it's fun to try. Number four, giving impacts all our lives. Because I will tell you, the hardest thing for us to give up is our money. That's why the Word of God says you can't love God in money. You're either going to love God or you're going to love money, but you can't love both. Giving impacts all our lives. Now, let me give you a little definition here. The tithe recognizes God as the owner of all that is, and thus, all I have. Knowing this, I give the first tenth of my income to God. Then I seek God's leadership in offerings knowing it all belongs to God. You see that? I give my tenth. Then I seek God's leadership in offerings. That's what we've asked you to do with these pledge cards, to seek the leadership of God. Remember, we don't give by reason, we give by revelation. Not by what I can figure out, but what God can trust me to do. So, let's go to the third thing. Why do we ask for over and above with meet the need in offerings? Well, I want to give you two examples, and they were both building programs. Now, now just hang with me here, because I'm going to teach you something that you've tried to ignore. You know how you read parts of the Bible, and you go, oh, I don't want to read that part. You know, Numbers is kind of like that, Deuteronomy a little bit, Leviticus really. I mean, you just kind of go daily Bible reading, when do I get to the good stuff? And sometimes we miss stuff. So, let's talk about Moses. Moses collected offerings to build what? We're going to be here a long time. We're going to start on this road. All right, over here. We're going to start here. What Moses started. uh, Moses took offerings to build what? David took offerings to build what? A temple. So there were two major building programs in the life of the people of God. Now, I want you to remember, Israel was largely agricultural and poor. And the tabernacle was built by people that had been in slavery for hundreds of years and for generations. They didn't have all that we have to understand. 
But God led them out into a wilderness and told them to build a tabernacle where he could dwell among his people. And what did they use? They used the stuff that they took from the Egyptians when they left bondage, the gold and the silver and the drapes and the materials and all that. God provided in captivity what they needed in freedom to do what God told them to do. If he had told them out in the middle of that wilderness, and listen, you can go to the wilderness, it's a wilderness. If God had told them to do that, they could easily say, well, God hadn't provided anything for us. Now, God did not tell them, get all that stuff, because when you get out there, I'm going to tell you to build a tabernacle. They just took, and then God said, now, what you took, I want. That applies to your paycheck. That applies to your home. It applies to your car. What God has given you, if he decides he wants it, you better give it to him. So, let me just put some dollars on this for you. If you put the tabernacle, which was a movable tent, in today's dollars on the materials, and you can read all of it in the Bible, if you put a dollar amount in today's dollars, it took $10 million to build a movable tent in today's dollars. Now, that's just for God to dwell in and for a few priests to go in, the people didn't even get, can you imagine if we'd built this building and said, now we built that building, that's about $11 million building, but y'all can't come in it because God's in here. And if you come in and you're not supposed to be in here, God will kill you. That's what God told them. So they built it and they got to look at it on the outside. That's all they ever got to do. David built a temple and he collected money. God said, you can't build it. Your son's going to build it, but I want you to collect the money for it. If you put a dollar amount on the temple today, it would be $1 billion from an agricultural nation of a couple of million people, $1 billion facility for God to be worshiped in. Again, only a few people could go inside of it. The people could go in the courts and the outer courts, but they could not go into the holy place or into the holy of holies. That was off limits. Only God and the high priest could go into there. One billion dollars. You say, well, what does one billion dollars look like? If you've ever seen Cowboy Stadium in Arlington, it was a one billion dollar facility. And so God said to these people, I want you to look at the opportunities I'm giving you to have a relationship with me and I want you to pay it and give it and worship. So first of all, the need is obvious. The need is obvious. I mean, the need was obvious. How many of you went through those little bathroom doors that if you were over five foot six and 105 pounds, you had to turn sideways to go in them? Any of you remember those? We quickly forgotten. We had a preschool area you could not get the smell of diapers out of. Anybody that say, well, I didn't know that, that means you never volunteered. You might want to be quiet right now. <laughs> means you never walked back there. Now we've got state-of-the-art facilities. We replaced 50-year-old buildings that were inadequate. And by the way, with all we built, our utility cost and our insurance is down. Because we built to be good stewards. 
so that for the next 50 years we can use these facilities to reach people for the glory of God. The need was obvious. Legacy Park, we started with 40 acres, we ended up with 80. The school, we bought the school for less than $400,000 when it was Riverside Academy. God gave it to us, and now we have a school there. We have the Hope Center at the Coke plant. None of this would have been possible if we had not done over and above giving. Now see, the blessings of God have brought us all of this. And God's further blessings are sufficient to meet the needs that these former blessings created. Guess what? We became a church serious about diversity, serious about reaching the next generation for Christ, and that call to vision and to ministry and to people created opportunities for us today. I mean, back in the 90s, we had a we had a fundraising program when we were building this facility called Future Generations. Today, there are people in this facility that weren't even born when we built this building. God has allowed us to do things that open the door for greater blessings in the future. God knows that the need is obvious. God knows our giving potential. God knows our giving potential. He knew the potential. He did not ask Israel for one thing that they weren't equipped to do. He knows our giving potential. If we don't meet our budget, if we don't meet the need, if we don't do our missions offerings, then it is not because God told us to do something that he didn't call us and equip us to do. It's because we didn't do what God told us to do. See, God knows our giving potential. Now, if you don't understand this, and Chad pointed out, Sherwood Pictures, the last Sherwood Pictures movie was Courageous. Courageous has been about half of what's been given. We've gone from 26 million to 11.9. And you know what that started with? That started with a conversation with me and Alex on a staff retreat and a $20,000 movie called Flywheel that has now been seen in over 100 countries and sold about 800,000 DVDs on a little $20,000 movie that Alex had to get behind the camera, call action, go stand in front of the camera, act, go back behind the camera, cut, and edit. I mean, it's crazy that we did that. But we did it because God opened a door for us to do it. Can I tell you something? If we had not obeyed God with 20,000, we'd have never had the opportunity for 26 million. You got to start somewhere. And the reason God has blessed and the reason God has done things is because when God said do something, we said yes. And let, let me just go on record here and just remind you, we did not vote on starting to make movies. I made an announcement on a Sunday morning, and there were facial expressions in this room. I wish we had had cameras to catch. There were church members that said to me, you are out of your mind. Now, now, everywhere they go, you know, I go to church and made a movie. I, I, go, I go to church and made a movie. That's what I do. That's what I do. You want my autograph? I go to the church and made the movies. Then we made Face of the Giants for $100,000, all given within this church without ever taking up a pledge card, without ever taking up an offering, just people giving. 
And we are living with the results and the blessings of our obedience to just step out and do what God told us to do. Can I tell you something? When I went to pastor's meetings and they said, well, Michael, what are you doing? I said, well, we're making a movie. I got looked at like we need to put a straitjacket on that boy and get him some help. Why? Simple obedience, big opportunities. Number three, offerings are in obedience to God. Now, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 35. I just want you to look at some verses here in Exodus 35. Offerings are in obedience to God. Exodus 35, 5, whoever is of a willing heart. Exodus 35, 29, the children of Israel brought a willing offering. You should see how many times in Exodus 35 the word willing appears. Didn't have to be browbeat, didn't have to be chastised, didn't have to be arm twisted. There was a willing offering. You know, there's nobody there saying, hey, you know, man, I just, I got this nice little gold vase from the person that used to beat me and own me in Egypt, and I just, just now got a shelf to put it on, and, and you want me to give that thing away? Yes, I do. A willing offering. And they did it willingly. That's a key word, which makes me know that they were not Baptist. I don't know what they were, but they did it willingly. Offerings, number four, are by revelation, not reason. Exodus 35 and verse 10, And every wise-hearted among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded by revelation and not by reason. Number five, God is the object of the giving. Now walk with me through Exodus 35 here. Just, I'm just going to pick out three of the verses. Verse 5, an offering to the Lord. Verse 21, they brought the Lord's offering. Verse 22, an offering of gold to the Lord. The object of giving is God. Number 6, it is within God's plan for this church. It is within God's plan for this church. There's nothing required of us that we are not capable of doing if we're surrendered and obedient to God. Number seven, it's important that we all participate. Look at verse four. Moses spoke to all the congregation. Verse 22, they came, both men and women, all the congregation. It's important that we all participate if we're going to see God do what he wants to do. Number eight, this kind of giving is birthed in the heart of kingdom-minded people. First Chronicles 29.9 says, And the people rejoiced, for they offered willingly. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Can I, can I just tell you something here before Chad comes up? Chad, you come on. Come on back. Can I, just look at me for a minute. Willingly. Joyfully. Willingly. Joyfully. Do you understand that God has allowed us to do things that no other church in southwest Georgia is able to do? But do you also understand that if we don't do what God tells us to do, God will find somebody who will do it. 
The greatest way I can explain this to you is this. When Warren Wiersbe was here for some Bible conferences in the early 2000s, he and I were sitting talking. He said, Michael, he said, I need to tell you something that you need to understand. He said, right now, there's that unseen cloud of blessing over your church. God's blessing is on you. God typically picks a church to be the standard bearer for the other churches in a community. One that they can look to. One that they can draw courage from. One that they can draw strength from. God looks for a church, not to boast about it, but just to be the available hands and feet of God. And right now, the cloud of blessing is over you. He said, but I want to tell you, if you ever get away from what God's told you to do, that cloud will move. He said, in the 40 years I've lived in Lincoln, Nebraska, I've watched it be on four different churches. He said, if you don't do what God tells you to do, the way God tells you to do it, if you don't obey God and if you don't follow God, God will move the cloud. And so I'll follow that with what Manly Beasley said. The presence of God is hard to define, but his absence is easy to detect. Folks, listen. You don't want to walk in here one day. I don't want to walk in here one day and find out that we missed what God told us to do for any reason. Not just money, for any reason. We miss what God told us to do and we walk in here one day and say something is missing at Sherwood. Because God is not obliged to bless anybody that's not walking with him. As long as we walk with him, we'll have his blessings. We quit walking with him, we're going to be in trouble. And all the money in the world won't get him back. Remember the children of Israel? They didn't want to do what God said. Moses said, there are going to be consequences. And then he came back and said, well, we're going to do what God said. They were a day late. And they spent the next 40 years wandering in the wilderness because in one day, one day, one day, day they said no to God and even when they came back the next day it was too late the door had closed and they were defeated